Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Thank you for listening to the late-breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to look out for new episodes every Thursday and Grand Prix Sundays. Hello and a very warm welcome. This is the Late Breaking F1 podcast. Hope you're all having a great week to this point. And, well, if that is the case, we'll do our best not to ruin it for you. No guarantees, though. My name's Ben Hocking, and these two Muppets are Samuel Sage and Harry Eid. How are you, gentlemen? Oh, hi, bro. Oh, that's I've, never high early. Sp- <laughs> I've never heard you speak for so such a short amount of time, Sam. It was a Burton early sketch. It was the Muppets. I'm, I'm, I was fine. I'm now miserable. Well, there you go. So Ben said, we hope you don't ruin your week. And we already have with a really poor Burton Ernie reference. <laughs> <laughs> At least I cried. Let's talk about Formula One. <laughs> Slightly uh, closer to our wheelhouse. Uh, coming up on today's show, Lewis Hamilton, after matching the record for most wins in a career, we ask whether that achievement is enough to swing the GOAT discussion in his direction. And we're going to have a look back at his career, what has been his best season so far, what's been his best race so far. We're going to bring back F1, Who Am I? We're going to have Sam versus Harry. Oh, this is I mean, it's a battle, battle to the death, pretty much. You might be overselling it, but... Yeah, it will happen. It will happen. Uh, but first of all, we asked a question on Twitter earlier at El Breaking to get involved. If you're not already, who is the best driver never to have been given a car worthy of their talent? Harry, kick us off here. Any names that spring to mind? Luca Padoa. Sure. Uh, Ricardo Rossett. <laughs> Ricardo Rossett. <laughs> uh, Fisichella. Uh, no, let's go for a serious answer. Um... I think this one was actually on our Twitter, uh, but Pascal Verlein, he's a pretty recent one. I didn't actually rate him that much, but I think he definitely deserved more in F1 than a Manor and a Sauber. Sauber circa 2017. Um, yeah, he he probably deserves... Well, look, at the end of 2016, I remember we were all teeing him up for, you know, the... Um, teeing him up for the, for the Mercedes driver when Rosberg retired, so... Yeah, and that went slightly downhill, but he he still had a pretty good career in FE. Um, another one is a man we listen to almost on a weekly basis, which is Martin Brundle. I think he 
he deserved more from his F1 career. I'm not saying he was the you know the greatest talent we've ever produced in this country um, for F1, but he you know he was a he was a driver who took Senna to the to the wire in in the British F3 Championship, and he just never really got that break. He was partnered with Schumacher in '92, and yes, Schumacher beat him, but I think Brundle kept him pretty honest um, and probably deserved to keep that seat for '93 because Patrese came in 93 and he was about 78 years old by then so <laughs> I think Brundle deserved that seat more than he did and then you know he went to McLaren in 94 thinking this could be it and then they put a Peugeot engine in the back of it which kept blowing up so that didn't work out either um yeah I think he he deserved more from his career so I'll, I'll my firm answer I'll stick with Martin Brundle but there but there are lots out there I think yeah, I think given Martin Brundle's uh, end of career, um, yeah, he'd, he'd, he's pretty. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's got a hatred for Peugeot engines. I doubt you'll ever see him in one. Anyway, uh, good answer, Sam. Have you got one of your own? Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything that Harry said. That those were very good options. I, I've had other ones such as I think Perez. You know, if he got in the right car at the right time, he could really have done some damage. Uh, was a little bit unlucky with that McLaren seat. Uh, Heifeld, man who sits under a tree, quick Nick, one of our very own favourites here at Late Break. And I think if he got something a little spicier, you know, at the right time, he could have really been a strong race winner. Maybe had a chance at a title. I don't think he maybe would have ever won a title, but the fact he's never won a race, I think is a real shame. Brundle is also a great show. Also never won a race, amazingly. But for me, and I'm going down the route of never winning races, I'm going to start with a quote. Um, it's quite a famous quote. Uh, I've done some research to find the quote, which is a rarity. The quote is, if you became an undertaker, people would stop (laughs) dying. And I think we all know who I'm talking about already. It's Chris Amon. Now, that man was ridiculously fast, uh, kind of throughout the the 70s. You know, I think at one point, I've got a stat here. I think he he got pole, I think it was at the French QP, uh, by pretty much over a second or around a second, which is mental. He had such bad reliability. The man had such sheer talent that he definitely should have won a number of races across his career, if not possibly a championship if things actually went his way. But in my opinion, Chris Amon was robbed of glory. And I think that the guy really could have been a hero of racing. But it just some people have just had bad luck. So he must have done something in a previous life because it just never turned out the right way for him. But he's brilliant. He is brilliant. And I think a lot of the legends respected him and saw his talent and it just never got that final little bit to come his way. So for me, Chris is the, uh, is the, is the main man who, who should have had a little bit more. I I absolutely love that Undertaker quote about Chris Amon. It just sums him up absolutely perfectly. Uh, and I, I would agree that he is, a, he's worthy of a place on, on that list, you know, especially, in the Ferrari in the late 60s, you know, the French Grand Prix that you referenced, which might well be the focus of a video at some point in the near future. Oh. Uh, oh, hint, hint, spoiler, spoiler. Um, but yeah, I completely agree with that one. Uh, I've got a few names of my own. And actually, there, there were a few answers to this on Twitter that I very much agreed with. So uh, one of them was another British driver um, who didn't win a race, uh, Derek Warwick. He picked up a, a few podiums. I think he, he had four podiums, all of which came in, in one season in 1984. Um, but yeah, Warwick just seemed to turn up at the right place at the wrong time. He, he joins Renault 
just as McLaren get that 1984 season. I mean, that McLaren was so dominant in 84, Prost and Lauda, no one else had a chance that year. Um, but you moved to Renault you know, a year after they were definitely in contention to win championships with, with Prost there. Um, in t- and he moves to Brabham a few years later after not being able to get anywhere with the Renault team. Brabham, of course, just I think three years earlier or so had won the championship with Nelson Piquet. But Brabham, that was as good as it got for Brabham. You know, the late 80s and the early 90s were pretty horrendous for them. And, and Warwick had to go through that. And by that point, you know, he his career was kind of done and dusted. He spent a few years at I think he spent a few years at Arrows um, and footwork possibly towards the end of his career. But it feels as if like if he just got that one break earlier in his career, he had, his 84 season at Renault was really impressive. Did a really good job that year. Um, but unfortunately, that was as good as it got. Never quite got the car that was that was capable of his talents. Um, Elio De Angelis, for me, definitely worthy of a place here. Uh, this one's slightly different as uh, a deaf kind of... Uh, this this isn't necessarily a full career. This was sort of a half career that, that was cut short. But De Angelis was third in that 84 season uh, behind the two McLarens. He only just lost to Senna. People forget how close he was to beating Ayrton Senna across a full season at Lotus. Ayrton Senna won that year 38-33. To go so close to beating someone like Ayrton Senna just proves the talent that he was. Um, and he, he passed away in 86, so we never got to see whether he could go on to win that championship and whether a car, he could get into a seat where that car uh, could give him that chance. Recent times, I mean, going, yeah, Sergio Perez, as you say, never quite had that car. People will argue he you know, he had that move to McLaren, but by that point, the, Mac- the McLaren was no good. Um, you know, arguably he's had racing points and, and force Indias that have been better than that, that McLaren was in that season. Um, John Eric Verne as well. I think he deserves a shout. I think oh, he, yeah. I think yeah. he deserved to go up to Red Bull over Danny Kvyat at the time. Um, yeah. Verne beat Kvyat when they were teammates, uh, and Red Bull went. Ah, we'll, we'll take Daniel and Bordeaux. Um, Bordeaux. <laughs> yeah, big man deserves some love. Sebastian Bordeaux, what a guy! <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, not that funny. <laughs> Yeah, Jean Jean Eric Verne. I he he's a quality, and he's he's proven it in Formula E as well. You know, as soon as he transitioned, he's proven how great of a driver he is. Um, and considering all of the, you know, the Red Bull system hasn't been brilliant over the last few years. It's been a bit of a rocky road. Um, but yeah, he would have filled. He, he would have done a good job in there, no doubt about that. Uh, and the last one I'll, I'll mention is a bit of an outside pick, but. Hans-Joachim Stuck, who raced in F1 in the late 70s, um, had great success in pretty much everything he did. Uh, he won championships in supercars. He won Le Mans, I think, three times. Um, essentially, every championship he went in, he he ended up winning. But F1 just didn't work out for him. He was stuck in March cars that were past their best. You know, March were fairly good in the early 70s, but fell away in the mid-70s when, when Stuck was there. He was... Shadow and ATS he raced for, neither of which were great teams at the time. The only car he had that was reasonable um, was in 1977 when he partnered John Watson at Brabham and he beat John Watson in that season in his first year at the team. Really impressive. Uh, But they decided to ditch him after that season because Nicky Lauda was joining the team 
after winning two of the three previous championships. Tough one to uh, tough one on Stuck. I, I understand obviously why they went for Lauda, but they decided to partner him with John Watson, and, and Stuck never got a chance in that '78 Brabham, which was not the best car thanks to the Lotus that year, but it was it was fairly handy. Um, and he'd have had a chance in the fan car as well. There might be a video about that in the future. Hint, hint. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> Th- those are uh, my ramble names. There's, there's plenty there uh, to digest. But if I had to pick one, uh, I'd probably go for Elio De Angelis. I mean, you could say he was stuck in the midfield. But uh, go on. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. One driver who we love to bring up as well, just to quickly touch on him, Crazy John Alazy. Oh, I know. My hero. Worthy of a mention, Sam? Yeah, 100% worthy of a mention. Although he did have plenty of opportunity, it was more he made the wrong choice, I think. Unlike some of those guys mentioned who were far better than opportunity ever presented for them. Fair enough. Um, Do you think John Alazy is part of the, uh, the deserving to be on that list, Harry? Uh yeah, I will stick crazy crazy John Lacey on there. Um, Don't look in his eyes. No, <laughs> don't make eye contact. Um, yeah, I, I, although I do agree with Sam, but perhaps he made, you know he made the move to to Ferrari when he could have gone to Williams. But hindsight is a wonderful thing, and as Carlos Sainz is about to find out, the uh, the, the move to Ferrari is pretty irresistible. But um, yeah, far more worthy than just one win to his name was uh, Jean Alessi that's for sure yeah I think we can all agree on that Um, so moving on to our next topic which is Lewis Hamilton because of course he did uh, match Michael Schumacher's record at the weekend so 91 victories to his name the exact same number as Schumacher gives him an opportunity at some point this season to go and beat it I, I think it's fairly inevitable at this point and it's a question of uh, when rather than if. Sam, do you think that the record, or at least matching the record, does anything for who the greatest of all time, that discussion? I mean, sorry, I'm eating some chocolate. I didn't think you'd come to me yet. Oh, um, no, sorry. Uh, what kind of chocolate are you eating, Sam? <laughs> um, yeah, go on. I haven't bought it, but it is still a good one. It's uh, Der- Cadbury's Dairy Milk Fruit and Nut. Oh, that's a solid choice. Solid it choice. Is, right? I really enjoy yeah. how squishy the raisins get in the chocolate. I think Ben's about to disagree. It, it's the Nico Hulkenberg of the chocolate world, really. <laughs> it's just it's just not worthy of that podium. Close, right. but but not worthy of the podium. We'll have a video out on this soon, folks, comparing F1 drivers to types of chocolate. Just stay tuned. Um, on the actual topic of Louis Hamilton and greatest of all time, um, stats definitely have a long way to play in that decision. I mean... People look at Michael Schumacher and the first thing they think of is seven world titles, the only man to have seven. They did look at him and say the only man to hit 91 race wins. There's, you know, statistics play a part in what you do, especially when it comes to sport, right? That, that is what governs time. So you can't compare the cars that they're racing. They're not relevant. The eras are too different. You can't compare the competition. All different drivers. Their teammates may have been up and down. Hamilton's definitely had harder teammates, but Schumacher was definitely more dominant and able to construct a team around him. The, the, these two drivers are by far, I think now, head and shoulders above others. There are others up there for other different reasons, but in terms of the history of F1 and names that will be remembered as the most successful drivers ever, 
I think it's always going to be between Hamilton and Schumacher. And I think you have every right to pick one or the other for whatever reason you want to. Um, Goats can't be decided, I don't think. I think you can have a selection. I don't think you can ever say that one definitively is better than the other because they'll never race properly side by side all at their prime. We'll never see them in the same machinery. So, yeah, you can say Senna, Prost, Schumacher, Hamilton, you know, whoever you want to throw there, they're all worthy to mention in that conversation. But you can never get a statistical proper answer apart from these statistics, you know, the wings, the qualifying, the poles, the fastest laps, the races entered, the championships. And scenarios cause a different answer to come out each time. So Schumacher is, of course, one of the biggest legends in motorsport, not Formula One, sport across you know, all time. And I think Hamilton in his later years is going on to create that culture, that ethos, that outside influence and impact on the sport that Schumacher did have. Um, I think his driving talent is also brilliant. I think he's a better sportsman than Schumacher. But then again, I think Schumacher is better at creating a team around him. Each had their own ability, their own skills, their own merits. So, yeah, I think it helps Hamilton, again, to carry on being in that discussion. But if you were silly enough to not have Hamilton in that discussion before he got this record, then I don't know if I respect your opinion in F1. Harry, uh, someone who uh, doesn't think that Lewis Hamilton is the best driver around right now. (laughs) Go check out that video. Um, (laughs) Thanks for that one, Ben. Yeah, no problem (laughs) at all. No worries. Um, Do you think that the record does anything for discussing who is the greatest of all time? Um, I so the other day, Sky. If you haven't seen already, I've only seen one episode. But Sky doing this race to perfection documentary, and Martin Brundle in episode one says something about Hamilton, and he is he top five easily? Is he top three? Very, very possibly, but it's all subjective, and it's a. I, I like the way you put it because it's such a such a subjective argument. But you know. As Sam said, the stats do not lie. He is now, he's about, you know, he's about to equal in championships. He's just equaled Schumacher's race win uh, record. So at some point, statistically, he is likely to be ahead of Schumacher. In which case, that you know, statistically makes him the greatest of all time. But as I said, it's such a uh, such a subjective question and topic that, um, yeah, whether people were. And myself included will put him at the top. Who knows? There there will be people who put Senna at the top or Fangio at the top and they won far less races and championships than, than Hamilton, Will and Schumacher ever did. So, um, yeah, uh, does it help? I guess in a way, yes, because he's going to, it's taking him uh, on the way to being statistically the greatest of all time, the title Schumacher once held. So, um yeah, I guess in that sense it does help, but uh, like I said, it's such a such a such a spicy topic, isn't it? That no one's ever going to agree who is the greatest of all time. Yeah, I'm of the similar thinking to Sam. Really, that at 90 wins, Hamilton was well within the discussion for greatest of all time. At 91 wins, matching the record, he's still within that discussion. And at 92 and 100 wins or or whatever you like, he's well within that discussion. But there is no way to get that definitive answer. You know, numbers, as people who know me will already know about me, I love numbers. They're great. Statman! Statman, as Sam likes to call me way too often. But statistics they have their limitations. You know, are we saying that, that Jean Alesi and Pastor Maldonado are exactly the same in terms of ability? You know, they've got one win each. 
I'm not saying that, not for not by a long shot. Is <laughs> is Pierre Gasly better than Chris Amon? One win to none. No, he isn't. And this is probably going to be your favourite one, Harry. Does that mean that Jacques Villeneuve is better than Sterling Moss? One championship to none. I don't it's believe so any. <laughs> <laughs> good use of sound effects. Yeah, very good. Um, I don't believe any of those are true. Yeah, if you were to just look at the numbers themselves and nothing else, uh, it would tell you a completely different story. It links, it links back to the first topic to an extent in, in that it is more than just numbers um, and it, there, there's a lot more to it. Sometimes drivers will, will get to be in the right place at the right time and sometimes it just work, won't work out for others. Some drivers have more sustained success. Some, some careers have been cut short and we're left wondering exactly what they could have done, especially in the case of like Jim Clark and Ayrton Senna where you know, they still had years left in them to win more championships. How many more would they have won? That's an answer no one will ever be able to give. Um, so yeah, I, I, Lewis Hamilton is definitely in the discussion for the best of all time. Uh, and yeah, the way that Martin Brundle puts it is very good. You know, I would personally say he is in the top seven and you know, where you put him in that top seven, it, it doesn't necessarily matter as long as you put him somewhere in there. He is one of the best of all time. There's just too many factors to consider. You have got championships and you have got number of race wins as you know the record that has been matched this weekend but you've also got to consider how many races they entered you know as a percentage how many races have they won you need to think about who their teammates were and I would agree with you Sam that Hamilton has had over the course of his career better teammates than Michael Schumacher um you know and where you are at the right time as I said that's so important you where were your teams previously? We know how good Schumacher was at developing a team. We know Schumacher, when he went to Ferrari, it was far from the finished product. Lewis Hamilton went to Mercedes when it was closer to being so. All of these factors combined will give us all our own answers to this question. And that's okay, but there's no definitive answer. There's no one person who can say that this is correct and that that isn't correct. So, Especially yeah. not Amazon. Especially. Especially not Amazon. Just kidding, Heiki, I love you. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I would personally put Hamilton still just behind Schumacher and Fangio, but I've got no problem if you've got him as the greatest of all time, to be perfectly honest. Just in that wonderful uh, spiel there, Ben, where you made so many good points, you did refer to it as the best of all time. And I now have a wonderful image in my head that everyone refers to it as the GOAT, but you refer to it as the boat. And... <laughs> To me, that's just fantastic. I mean, you know, I was born and raised in a fishing village, so... You're the boat of all time. I guess it's only natural for me to go down that path. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, let's move on to something else Hamilton-related. Looking back at his career, he's had... uh, How many years has he had in F1 now? Is it 14? Is this his 14th year? He's been around a while, when you think about it. It just makes you feel really old. Yeah, Yeah, crazy. I mean... All of those race wins, 91 of them. Sam, is there one that stands out to you as being the best? There's quite a few that stand out to be absolutely brilliant. Um, oh, God, I could reel off so many. Um, 2013 and the Hungaroring was absolutely fantastic. Um, oh, the 2011 German GP, the Nürburgring, that we spoke about many times, actually. That was brilliant. The start he got was fantastic in that race. Um 2008 again at Hockenheim. Germany's a good one for him. 
But I think the absolute top one, the one that there's two that I will always remember, uh, Bahrain against Rosberg, one of the best on-track battles I think we've seen in the last decade of racing. Rosberg put up such a brilliant defence. He went toe-to-toe with him all race long, and it was constant F1 back and forth. Um, <laughs> undercut after undercut, round the outside, slipstreaming, late-breaking. They were so good, and Hamilton just showed his class by taking that top spot. But for me, the absolute best race of Lewis Hamilton's career is 2008 in Silverstone. Um the conditions were so awful. It's his home Grand Prix, which makes it that little bit more special. Uh, it was only his second season in, in Formula One. And you just think that there were so many fantastic drivers who are unable to even keep it on the track. Um, and he just flew around. You know, Weber's gone. Massa's gone. Drivers that were considered to be so brilliant at the time. And Hamilton, in only his second season, absolutely dominated. And... Um, it was such a brilliant race. It was such an iconic race uh, for a British driver at a British track to win like that. So for me, that is Hamilton's number one victory. Harry, would you agree with that? Uh, all, all fantastic races. Can I? I want to say a race that's not an F one race. Is that allowed, Ben? Yes. Oh, I'll allow it. Okay, it's Turkey, two thousand and six. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, I don't I think that. I've seen. I mean, Hamilton's had some fantastic races. All of the ones Sam mentioned. Um, but yeah, Turkey 2006, he... And, you know, this is... You, you take out the the equation of Formula 1 cars being different and, you know, varied in performance. He's in a GP2 car, as it was back then, not a, with a GP2 engine. Thank you, Alonso. Um, GP2. GP2. Um, and he spins. Don't know what lap it was. Very early on in the race. Drops all the way to the back of the field. And then fights all the way back through the race and you know gp2 races are shorter than f1 races um and yeah he just made it pretty much everyone look like a mug i don't think he wins it he comes back to second but it's just a complete ridiculous performance um but yeah that's probably my favorite uh but yeah silverstone 08 uh barring 2014 all very good hockenheim 2018 as well uh yeah fantastic you know, race another solid one um yeah, and maybe Singapore 18, but purely for for uh, for that quality lap. Cool. That might be one of the best quality laps I've ever seen. Redonkulous, isn't it? It's, uh, it, was, it is incredible to watch on board. It's the Santa Monaco 88 equivalent. Yeah, it's exactly that. It's the day. modern equivalent of that. Oh, it's so good. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, he's got quite a few cheers for him, actually. 91, oh. to be precise. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll throw another one in there, actually. Monaco last year, um, that was a pretty impressive drive. Oh, yeah. Uh, But I would agree with Sam as much as I dislike to do so. 2008 Silverstone, I think, is his best race. Um, I think it was the race that really confirmed to everyone, like, this guy has not only got the capability to be a world champion, this this guy's got the capability to be one of the best of all time. At least that's what it said to me. Um, cause I think at that, at that point in time, we'd seen what happened in 2007. Um, we could already tell that this guy was extremely talented, but that kind of a dominant performance just put him to that next level of, okay, watch out this guy. If he gets in the right place at the right time, as was the case, um, he's going to make things happen. He, you know, Heike Kovalainen going back to him qualified on pole because he is a qualifying God, um, yes. 
but that lead didn't last very long. I think it was about four laps or so. And I don't think, I think apart from one lap, Lewis Hamilton pretty much led the rest of the way. Um, he ends up winning by, I think it was just over a minute back to Nick Heidfeld in P2, because of course, quick Nick's second in such trick, uh, tricky conditions. Um, on a day as well, where his his main championship rivals, so, you know, Kimi Raikkonen struggles. Felipe Massa, I think he might have spun 86 times that day. <laughs> He's still memory. spinning. He, he might still okay. be. <laughs> Bless him, he really struggled that day. Um, but literally the whole field was having, having difficulty. A horrible day. Everyone's spinning around. And Lewis Hamilton, he just kept his cool and he kept going. And being able to... You know, Back in the 60s and in the 70s, winning by a minute was not completely out of the ordinary. Um, and, you know, I think Jackie Stewart won one race by quite a few minutes back in the 60s. But it very rarely happens in today's day and age. You very rarely see what races won by more than about 30 seconds. So to win a race in the modern era by over a minute, seriously impressive accomplish- accomplishment. Um, but yeah, like you say, there's so many more to choose from. I mean, on that day, he really was the boat of all time. He, he was the boat. The absolute boat, Lewis Hamilton. He sailed to that victory. <laughs> I'm not even going to uh, to acknowledge that one. <laughs> it's so good. You're better than that, Sam. <laughs> all right, look, rather than best race, let's have a look at the best year of his career. Because again, there's quite a few to choose from. Sam, is there one that sticks out to you? Oh, this is this is actually, I think, a more difficult question than um, than the best race of his career. Twenty eighteen was astounding. Um, that was the year, of course, that Bottas didn't get a single victory in the same car as Hamilton, and I think that's the year that Hamilton broke the points gained by any one driver um, in one season. The man, I think. That season was just brilliant. But I mean, 2007, it's his first season and he loses the championship by a point. And that's only because of the stupid mistake he made in China where he drove up into that gravel, which I wonder will haunt him. If he never wins his seventh, I reckon that would haunt him forever. But fortunately for him, he's going to. Um, <laughs> the current season is also fantastic for him. It's so hard to pick because he is genuinely so brilliant. Pretty much every... I mean, he's the only man to ever win a race in every single season he's ever competing in, which is just an astounding record. I'm going to go with 2018, I think, but I reckon you could come through pick any other than 2016. Yeah, maybe not 2016. Um, Harry, what season comes to mind to you? Um, I'm going to go for... 2015. And... I'm going to say this because knowing what we know now about how tough it is to be Lewis Hamilton's teammate, especially current era Lewis Hamilton, um, Rosberg gave him a fair run for his money in 14. Obviously, 16, he won it in the end. Um, But in 15, Hamilton Hamilton won it easily. He won it by the US, US GP. And I know he's done that in recent years, but then his competitor's been Bottas or um, the Ferrari team, which, you know, were, were good sometimes, but not all the time. <laughs> no um, yeah, and I, I think that he completely crushed Rosberg that year. Rosberg threw a hat at him. Um, he oh, yeah, him. that was funny. Uh, but yeah, and I, I just think, yeah, knowing what we know now about how good Rosberg actually was against Hamilton, 
which we maybe didn't appreciate at the time. I'd pick that one out as it's not necessarily his most memorable one. Um, it's championship number three, I think. Uh, but yeah, I think that's just, he just, you know, crushed it all year. No, no one's going to stop him. I mean, no one can really stop him now, but you know what I mean. Not even the goat's hair Rosberg. The, the not even the what? The goat hair. The know, goat. He's got the, yeah, the goat hair of Rosberg. That's what goat popped brick. his hat off. <laughs> Look at this hair. Oh, I mean, now now you've mentioned the whole cap incident at yeah. the US, it just makes me miss the squabbling Mercedes. To be honest, yeah, it does. No it disrespect, Bottas, but. You could, you could, you'd never catch Bottas throwing a cap at Hamilton, would you? <laughs> uh, although I'd love to see it. They they probably high five while it happened. Fair enough. Yeah. Oh, uh, never mind. It was good once. Um, I think 2015 is a fair shout, to be honest. Although I am going to have to regretfully agree with with Sam again. I'm going to go with surprise. <laughs> it is a surprise. <laughs> it is a surprise. Um, I think 2018 is the only season where. Lewis Hamilton and his team did not have the right to dominate, yet he still did. Yeah, you know, twenty fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, the car was the car was good enough that they should have dominated. Um, two thousand and eight, of course, he won the championship, but he didn't dominate that season. Um, twenty eighteen for me is the one that sticks out as the Ferraris were. I, in terms of performance, I really don't think there was much in it that year. I think that was the closest. Uh, and you can argue, you know, Sebastian Vettel's mistakes made it easier for Lewis Hamilton, and I would agree with that. However, Lewis Hamilton still had to maintain that consistency. Um, in that, and Valtteri Bottas not winning a race that year as well, as well as say that that wasn't the best year for Valtteri Bottas, which I, I think is true. It also says that, well, the Ferraris were pretty good that year, that he didn't have many opportunities to win races. Um and Lewis Hamilton still managed to come away with a dominant victory. I know it was fairly close halfway through the season, but he, he really sped away in the second half. And yeah, I just don't think he had a right to have dominated that championship. Yes, I mean, his car was good enough that he should have always been in contention, but the way in which he won it for me is the one that stands out. And I think the question itself is obviously what is his best year? Uh, and 2018 is the answer for me. I think if you were to flip that question slightly and say what is his most impressive year, I would then go back to 2007 because, yeah, I don't don't think it was his best year, but the fact that what he was able to do as a rookie driver in F1 is remarkable. Uh, It's one thing to be landed in a car that is as good as that McLaren was in your first season. Yes, there is an element of fortune to that, but you've still got to take advantage of it. You've still got to beat a two-time world champion teammate. And Okay, he drew with him, but... The fact that he was even contending with someone who has just done that and has got all those years of experience in F1, so impressive. And he should have won the championship that year. It was his own mistake that was his undoing. So I don't have, and knowing what we know now and the amount of championships he's won, I don't have a great deal of sympathy, to be perfectly honest. But it was a great year. And there haven't been all that many first seasons that have been so impactful. I mean, besides Jacques Villeneuve, obviously, to get him in there again, Harry. Um, you know, in the last 25 yes, yes, years, <laughs> in the last 25 years, there have not been many, many debut seasons like that. Um, so that would be his most impressive season for me, but best, yeah, reserved for 2018, like you say, Sam. 
Yeah, Tongue 18, just, just for a bit of context, Bottas got zero wings. Hamilton picked up 11. Um, I don't know how many other seasons there have been where the two well, in the, in the two drivers in the car that won the Constructors' Championship have had a gap of that much, and one of the drivers have won none, and one of the drivers have won 11, especially with no team orders available pretty much as well all season. It was so... And of course, the Singapore qualifying lap. I mean, I'll watch it again and again and again. It's just fantastic. It is a good one, no doubt about that. Let's get on to what we will dub as the main event. We've got some theme music at the ready. Harry, go ahead. F1! F1! <laughs> yeah, it's not quite F1 back and forth, is it? Nothing is. Nothing is. <laughs> All right, to explain the rules of F1, who are you? Um, so we've got... Six drivers, and I'm going to give the guys three clues as to uh, as to who it is, and they have to guess after hearing those three clues who it is. Um, they'll take it in turns, and the person who gets the most wins. You will have the opportunity to steal a point if your opponent gets it wrong and uh, and you get it right. So bear that in mind. Um, and to keep things fair as well, so I've numbered all six, one through to six. So, uh, Harry, if you wouldn't mind going first, pick a number, uh, and that's the one you'll get. Three. All right, number three. Here are your three clues to who this driver is and uh, play along at home as well. See if you can beat these two Muppets. I debuted in F1 in 1978 for Ensign. Oh, Jesus. I once called Nigel Mansell an uneducated blockhead. And I took my 23rd and final race win at the 1991 Canadian Grand Prix. 1981, uh, sorry, 1991. 91. I missed that. Thank you. Sorry, I'm trying 91. to work it out myself. Well, I, I didn't know it from the first two, but I know it from the last one. And that makes sense now why he would have called Nigel Mansell. Was it? Yeah. An what uneducated did... blockhead. <laughs> It's a great insult. I'm saving that one. Yeah, I'm going to use that one again. Um, It's Nelson Piquet, I think. Are you going to have to stipulate? Is it Nelson Piquet Senior or Junior? Right. Well, it's not the one who crashed into the wall on purpose. It's his dad. (laughs) (laughs) Very old for his his debut in Formula (laughs) 1 in the late, mid-2000s. Yeah. Yeah. Well done, Harry. Point goes to you. Nelson Piquet is right. Sam... Any yeah. number between one and six that isn't three? I'll go four. All right. I debuted in F1 in 2012. My teammates in F1 were Timo Glock and Guido van der Gaard. And I finished fourth in the first Formula E race. Ooh, first Formula E race ever? Yes, ever. Several bad puns later. Sorry, Sam. I'll, I'll edit out the uh, I'll edit out the pauses here. <laughs> no, keep it in. It's embarrassing. <laughs> oh, I think it's Charles Peak. It is Charles Peak. Yeah, keep the pauses in for dramatic effect. No, no, no one wants to listen to pauses. <laughs> Pause it now. <laughs> all right. So one all after the first two, four to go. Harry, what's the next number you're going to choose? One, please, Ben. Number one. I'm the only driver from my country to race in F1. 
I scored just one point in my F1 career at the 2004 United States Grand Prix. And I raced for two teams, Jordan and Minardi. Ah, yeesh. Oh, God. Um, Is it? Oh, God, those, like, Minardi, Jordan, back... Um, back of the pack drivers just merge into one floor, but <laughs> really do. Uh, no, I don't. I don't know. I'm gonna have a punt at Christian Albers. I'm afraid it's not Christian Albers, which means it does go over to you, Sam, if you know the answer. Oh, um, Bumgarner. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, I'll allow it, despite the um. Less than perfect. Uh, yeah, it is a uh, Jolt Baumgartner. So two one. Sorry, because of the name. Did he drive for Jordan? He did. Yeah. Oh. I love that car. All right, Sam. Over to you for the next one. Two, five, or six. Number six. Number six. Okay, number six. I was disqualified from every race that I started in my debut season. (laughs) My first of nine podiums came in 1992. And my career ended in 1996 with Jordan. I just Googled that 2004 USGP. There was only eight finishers. Well, that's why he scored a point. (laughs) (laughs) Fair Fair play to that man. Oh, this, why? I, come on, Sam, it's Jordan. You know Jordan. I I didn't listen to it. Ben, repeat, please. Uh, I was disqualified from every race I started in my debut season. Yeah. My first of nine podiums came at the 1992... Uh, sorry, came in 1992. Uh, my career ended in 1996 with Jordan. Oh, it's Brundle. It is Martin Brundle, yes. Um, what a lad. Yeah, so he started his career at Tyrrell in 84 and that car was disqualified from every race that it entered. Oh, yeah. um, I didn't know that. Yeah, for um, fuel reasons or something, uh, something along those lines. All right, you've got two to choose from, Harry. Um, three, one down. Number two or number five? I'll go for, for two, please. All right, number two. In my two seasons in F1... I competed with different nationalities in each. I scored no points in F1. And I was the fourth driver to race for Red Bull. Ah, yikes. Is it Robert Doorknobs? It is Robert Doorknobs. <laughs> well done. I'll, the Moscow Dutch. I didn't know he did under, under two. What was, what was he yeah. playing yeah, yeah, he com- he competed under a Monegasque license, maybe in his first season. I, I can't remember which way round it was, but yeah, Robert Can- Doombos is correct, which means Sam, you're left with number five. Uh, my first win in F1 was in August two thousand and six. I was disqualified twice in my career, two thousand and seven and two thousand and fifteen, and my last win came in two thousand and eight. Oh, that's some that's some. Cheeky phrasing, I think, from Benjamin. I'm just going to have to try and think of race winners in 2008. That's the only way I'm getting this clue, I think. 
Felipe Massa, because he retired, so he drove badly around the track, didn't he? Uh, yeah, Felipe Massa's correct. Yeah, he oh! qualified in Canada 07 and its home race in 2015. Last win was Brazil 2008, which I'm sure he remembers very fondly. Great win. Harry, you gave that one to me, by the way, with that um, cheeky phrase in line. Cheeky phrase. Cheeky phrase. So, well done, Sam. 4-2 win. He takes it back. The title comes to Croydon. Because <laughs> where all titles go, eventually. They come to, they come to die. All right. Well, I'm basking your victory, Sam. Uh, and whilst you do that, if you wouldn't mind getting us out of here for this podcast episode. Yeah, you can imagine that, folks, I'm looking at the microphone with a big Jeremy Clarkson smug face. If you're looking forward to seeing some more of that, go over to our YouTube channel. We've got a good video coming out about our top seven drivers that we think currently are on the grid. Check that out. It's a good one. Some spicy action there. We'll be back next week all together. Lots of new content together for next week's podcast for the Portimao Portuguese Grand Prix. It's going to be really, really spicy. Make sure, yeah, we look forward to seeing you there. In the meantime, I have been Sammy Sage. I've been Ben Hawking. And I've been Eric van der Poel. And remember, keep breaking late. Sports Social Podcast Network.